yo, yo! Welcome to the Fantasy Bros NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Jason. Joining me, as always, is my brother and bro, Baby Jake. Baby Jake, what do you got for the peeps? What's up, y'all? Welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome in, welcome in. Jake's got some big news. Made a big boy purchase today. Went and bought myself a house. That's what's Closed up. on it this morning. Man, yeah. Whole new level of stress about to be added to my life, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. That's right. Speaking of stress in our lives, we got fantasy football coming up this weekend. Today, this is, uh, this is our weekend, first weekend episode where we're going to go through our player models that we built over on Fantasy Labs, talk about some of the players that jump out to us, and then we're going to finish the episode by building a cash lineup that we will submit in the massive $25 double up. And then we will review it Sunday night after the action. So, on that note, let's hop in over here. I got the Fantasy Labs player models pulled up here. This is a custom model that I built. Um, I like to run small field tournaments, but I think it also does a good job of looking at cash players. So we're going to start here with the quarterbacks. Starting at the top, familiar name here, we got Josh Allen. This guy's been an MVP candidate the last two years, coming in at $8,100. But look over here at his ceiling. He is by far and away the best option here when it God comes damn. to ceiling. Woo. Yeah, beast. Um, keep coming down here. Jalen Hurts, 7200 This is Jake's favorite right here. The cheat code. We've been playing him in our cash lineups all year. Yeah, so what are your thoughts about these two at the top? Here you look over at projected ownership. These guys have really separated themselves from the field. Josh Allen coming in at 15%, and Jalen Hurts at 18.8% projected ownership. What are your thoughts here? Makes sense. I mean, like we just said, they have two of the highest ceilings. Uh, I mean, looking at some of the statistics we're looking at there, the projected plus minus, two of the highest ones on the slate. I think they are the two highest. So they have yeah, a lot of good things going for them. I'm like, looking at they their are. numbers, they're really leading every category almost, it looks like. So it makes sense they're that high, but I mean, as we will look down though, there are other guys with ceilings that are almost as high as them. So, yeah, we keep coming down. We're sorted by ceiling here now. You can take a look. Matthew Safford's coming in at a 36 point ceiling. Jalen Hurts is also at a 36 point ceiling. And then below him, you got the GOAT, Tom Brady, 35 point ceiling. Um, Justin Herbert, 34 point ceiling. Burrow, 33. Matt Ryan, 33. Tannehill, 31. And then there's a little bit of a tear break. And you get down into Carson Wentz. Now, those players that we just rattled off, those are about the only quarterbacks I would probably consider for cash games. And when it comes to building cash lineups, we always like plugging in quarterbacks that have that rushing floor. So you could even pull out some of the guys like Stafford, Brady, um, Matt Ryan. You could maybe even remove those from your cash player pool if you want. Now, um, Matt Ryan is coming in at 5900 So because he's so cheap, you can kind of look past the fact that he doesn't have that rushing floor. Let's sort back by rating here. What else is jumping out at you, Jake? Another thing I think people should be aware of is the implied points. So gauging that as well. Yeah, like, that's a great point. That's a really good thing to look at for your quarterback, especially because you're only, I mean, you're limited on touches. Like you're definitely going to be running the ball in a football game. So with that implied points, you can assume that, there's probably one or two touchdowns that's going to go to the run game. So that's going to matter 
a whole heck of a lot. Say if you have a quarterback that their implied points is under 20 or something. It's like you're going to be lucky if they get two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. If your quarterback ain't scoring two touchdowns or more, you're not winning lineups. Yep. And looking at teams implied point total, you have tournaments. Tannehill over here, um, their team has a 24-point implied point total. Matt Ryan, 25. Hurts, 26. Burrow, 26. And then Herbert, 27. Brady, 27. And then you got Allen and Stafford up here, kind of on another tier. Um, Josh Allen and the Bills are coming in at a 31.5-point projected implied point total. And Matthew Stafford and the Rams at 30.5 going against the Texans. So that's a great point, too. And that's another one of those things where people are expecting those two, like the Bills and the Rams games, to be blowouts. So people might think, oh, they'll just be running the ball. They're going to get a lead, and it's going to be a Darrell Henderson and a Zach Moss game. That could happen. I mean, there's certainly a chance that it could. But these teams have to get out to a lead to begin with. So Josh Allen could just have four passing touchdowns in the first half, and then it turns into a Zach Moss game. Matthew Stafford, same thing. Um, looking at the ownership here, so with Josh Allen at a 15% ownership, that's one of the higher ones. What was it? Second highest on the slate. But that's not high enough to scare me away. And Matthew Stafford at 5%, I'm going to be playing him quite a bit this week. I mean, last week, the Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup stacks won a lot of people a lot of money. There's no reason to go away from that when they're playing the Texans this week. So I love what we got here at quarterback. If we keep coming down, is there anybody below kind of that upper echelon of quarterbacks that we already mentioned here in the ratings um they're still on this top tier jared goff taylor heineke sam darnold and carson wentz and even teddy bridgewater is popping teddy bridgewater is popping as the sixth highest ranked quarterback here in the player models any of those names jump out to you at all i'm not too high on teddy bridgewater he just hasn't really producing as of late. I mean, going back to the Browns game, he did nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was all the running backs that contributed in that game for them to even stay in it. Carson Wentz, he's been going off lately, and I like. I could see him in some lineups with them playing Tennessee. You have a high implied points total as well. With them, it's just tough because they do rely heavily on the run game. Um, Darnold's another guy there. Could see him doing something. Atlanta's not too special of a defense. And they don't have much much of a run game right now. Chuba hasn't done a whole lot. He's getting touches. He's getting carries. But they just haven't established any sort of yardage with those carries. Right. Right, yeah. Darnold's actually really popping in some of my um, lineups. I really like him coming in at $5,600. They're playing in the Dome in Atlanta. And I know that Darnold has kind of been, like, not playing so hot these last few games. But he came on to the season. He had a great first couple games, especially fantasy-wise. Coming in at 5,600 in the Dome. Atlanta is one of the worst pass rush defenses in the league. He's going to have time. He's not going to be flustered. And then you come over here, like Jake was saying, the implied um, team points. Now, they're only projected 22 points. But Atlanta's projected 25. So if they're playing from behind, you got to imagine they're going to be wanting to pass the ball. And neither of these teams have very stout defenses. So I could see this actually going over that 47-point over-under. Um, yeah, this is a game. And both teams have narrow target trees, which is great for fantasy because it's easy to pick your players. 
With Carolina, if you're going to run Darnold, you run a Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore stack, and you bring it back with either Calvin Ridley or Kyle Pitts. That's it. You don't have to think any more about it. And on the other hand, if you're running a Matt Ryan stack, you do the opposite. You run them with Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, you bring it back with DJ Moore, or if you want to save some money, Robbie Anderson, and hope that this is finally his game. Robbie Anderson's on the field. He's running routes. He's getting targets. He's had some drops this year. But, I mean. You just need stick him. Need some stick him, yeah. Need some stick him, and he'll be all Gucci. He had a great season last year. He's a veteran in the NFL. The guy can play. He just hasn't had a great fantasy game yet, so people have kind of given up on him. And I'm not saying that this is going to be his week, but the dude's out there running. He's running routes. He's getting targets. What more can you ask for from a player? I mean, catching the ball. These guys have the talent. He's playing in the NFL. He can catch a ball, right? The thing that you can't change is getting guys on the field, is getting guys to run routes. The coaches determine whether or not they're going to do that. Well, Robbie Anderson is out there. He's on the field. He's running routes. So, I don't know. Sam Darnold, I think, being up here in this upper echelon rating-wise, coming in at a cheap price, playing in the dome against a team that can't rush the quarterback, and you just have easy options. You know who you would want to play in that scenario. Whereas with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs is the alpha receiver, but he hasn't gone off yet this year, and he's priced up in the, what, 7 8 k range. But it could be a Cole Beasley game. It could be a Gabriel Davis game. So Josh Allen, it's a little more difficult. You get down here, though, to Sam Darnold, you know who you're going to play. It's easy. And you're saving, what, $2,500. Another guy like uh, Joe Burrow. Love him. He's finally getting priced where he should be. So that's mm-hmm. what's hard to go with. But they are playing the Jets. So when you're playing the Jets, you really can't do anything wrong because they don't right. do anything right. They got a 26-point implied implied team point total over here, which is pretty high. You know, I mean, you, if they're playing a team that could match that, they'd be going for 53 points. So um, 26 and a half points. He's got a 33.5 ceiling. Like Jake said, 7,100. That's a lot a, of leverage, too. He's got a ton of leverage. Yep. And I think because he's been priced down all season, the 7,100, this jump. What, what did he jump? $900? Is that right? I'm trying to remember back from our DK salary episode on Tuesday. I think he jumped $900. So I think that in and of itself is going to scare people off. But this is a great matchup. I mean, you can do whatever you want against the Jets. It could be a mixing game. You know, we're not saying Burrow's guaranteed to go off. But $7,100 is a fair price for him, for his talent, for the supporting cast that he has, and for the matchup. I Yeah, couldn't agree more. Love him. But yeah, other than that, Tannehill, of course, he's a guy that can go off at any time, especially now that A.J. Brown's back in the mix. He can just lob it up to him and let him go beast mode on anyone he wants. They're playing Indy, who has given up some pass yards to some teams. They are vulnerable. It's just with them, too, though, you're worried about Derrick Henry. You know How much, how much of the workload is he going to take away from Tannehill? Right. And Tennessee, they are playing at Indianapolis. And you look over here, um, Indianapolis projected 26.5 points and Tennessee projected just under 24.5. So a higher scoring game. But if they're playing from behind, you would expect them to be passing. Now, Derrick Henry is just, I mean, the dude's a specimen. Mm -hmm. He's a beast. He's game script proof. It doesn't matter. They're playing from ahead, playing from behind. They find ways to manufacture touches for him. 
because he can take any play to the house from anywhere on the field. So Jake's absolutely right. You always have to, you know, not worry. I mean, it could be a screen pass. Tannehill could get an 80-yard touchdown throw to a two-yard dump off that Henry takes to the house. Um, surprisingly, these two are not negatively correlated. But, yeah, it just, it just depends on how you think this game's going to play out. I do think that he should be in most people's player pool. $6,600 is a very fair price. It's worth taking into consideration that Julio Jones is out this week. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if that bumps A.J. Brown up. If that makes you higher on Tannehill, you maybe you play a Tannehill, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown stack. Or you have, uh, who is it, Akeem Westbrook? I don't know. Coming in at 3,200. nine. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but 3,200. And he's on the field quite a bit running routes. Um, all you need at that point is a touchdown catch from him. You know, mm-hmm. just two or three catches, and one of them finds the end zone. He's returning value. So, um, Tannehill at that price, fair value in a game that could potentially be a shootout. And again, narrow target tree. You know that they're going to run the ball through Henry, and A.J. Brown's their one and only receiver this week. Outside of that, really not a lot here. Baker Mayfield is still showing up on the rating, but I don't expect him to play. You got Trevor Lawrence, Geno Smith, both of them duking it out in Seattle. Not really seeing a lot down here. So on that note, let's take it over to running back. Let's see what we got here. So, Jake, what are your initial impressions here looking at the top of the ratings? Chubb, I think he will be that guy. Just like you have on your ratings. It's priced amazingly which is due to him being out, of course. Um, somewhat tough matchup, maybe, in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Their defense is usually pretty tough. But I could imagine seeing him going off. You got King Henry. Like we were just saying, he's the guy this year. He is RB1 above all. Jonathan Taylor, good matchup as well. He's running it back against Tennessee there. He's came on as of late. Uh, one thing with him, it's just he doesn't get a lot of passing targets, so that's the only thing. Like Hines comes in, Naheem Hines comes in and steals some of the third downs from him. But mm-hmm. I think that Jonathan Taylor has been getting more involved in the passing game. Um, you see here, three, four, two, three targets. So, not, I mean, not a ton. He's not like Austin Eckler level of pass catching, but mm-hmm. I think that the way Indianapolis runs their offense is that they have – almost designed drives for the running backs, right? It's not that they don't trust that Jonathan Taylor can't catch or pass block, and it's not that they don't trust that Naeem Mines can't run between the tackles. It's that they almost have scripted drives for each of them. So, um, I don't know. Maybe you hear some people talking about Jonathan Taylor is the bell cow, you know, first, second down between the tackles, and then you get Naeem Hines out there who – gets catches, but it really is becoming more and more of the Jonathan Taylor show. Naheem Hines might be their, you know, two-minute, four-minute running back, but I don't even know if that's the case anymore. It, it's well, really... Well, Max even been in the mix. He, I think he had three or four carries last game. Did he? For a while, they were making him inactive, and they were trying to trade him. So, yeah, I don't know. With them, it's, it's hard to predict other than you know that Jonathan Taylor has the upside. Yeah. You know I that mean, he, has he gets the, the volume. He gets 15-plus yeah. carries every game still, regardless. And we're looking over here at the ceiling projections. Jonathan Taylor actually has a higher ceiling projection than Nick Chubb does. So, you know, Nick Chubb's the highest-rated running back in our model. 
and I'm going to be playing him all over the place. But Jonathan Taylor does have higher upside, according to the projections, and a higher floor as well. So something to consider. He's also coming in $400 more expensive than Chubb, which you know could have something to do with Chubb popping. But I like all these plays too. I was just playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Taylor's you know a great player or whatever. I mean he, he he's a solid play for sure. You got Drell Henderson. This guy's going to be chalk. He's coming over here. 30% projected ownership. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess it's not that he's not worthy of that, but these guys ahead of him. Chubb's coming in at 4.9% projected ownership. Derrick Henry at 10%, which I understand. Derrick Henry's coming in at $8,900. And then Jonathan Taylor at 14%. So that is kind of strange to me that all of the ownership projections are condensing on Darrell Henderson. And again, it has nothing to do with the fact that I think he's a, a good player or not. I think that he's a fine play, especially at 6,500. But in that scenario, I, I honestly feel like Chubb is the better play. He's $300 more, 10% less owned. If Baker Mayfield isn't playing in the game and then Cleveland's playing division rival Pittsburgh in Cleveland, um, I mean, I just got to imagine this is a potential Chubb game and Kareem Hunt is out. Kareem Hunt's on IR. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is really strange to see Darrell Henderson come in at 30% owned and Nick Chubb at under 5% owned. But if we're only talking, if we're talking about Darrell Henderson in a vacuum, great play. 6,500 at Houston, great play. That's awesome. Jake, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Anything else here at these guys? Uh, next guy's up there that I like, James Robinson. I think he could have a great game. They're finally feeding him on a consistent basis i think we talked about that last week he's just been improving his volume overall catching passes out of the backfield still running the rock quite often eckler i really haven't heard a lot about him lately so i feel like tons of people are gonna be sleeping on him going against new england this week and they have him at home so i mean Mm -hmm. that's new england making a trip all the way across the country just to come play them yeah, I saw Eckler pop up on the injury report Thursday with a hip injury, and he didn't practice. But I'm not sure about Friday if he practiced today or not. So we'll have to check into that. But I completely agree. If he's active, you know, his price seems like it's scaring people away. He was coming in at 10% owned. But with his upside, I think that's a fair price for him. DeAndre Swift next. Yep. Everybody's on him, though, as you can see. So he's the second highest projected ownership for the slate. 21% owned, yep. And he deserves it. He's been playing really well. Say so his price, finally, he's in. He's out of the 6000 range. He's been like that. I think even maybe the start of the year, 5000 So he's out of those ranges now, and they finally bumped him to the 7. He's been producing on a regular basis every week. And I imagine he will score a lot of points this week. Yeah. So they're another team. They're projected. They're actually three-and-a-half-point home underdogs against the Eagles. So they're projected to be playing from behind. Um, I don't know. I guess I think that he should be 20% owned at least. But I'm surprised just the fact that they're underdogs. I thought more people would be playing Amon or St. Brown because of his price or Tyler Hawkinson just simply because he's a pass-catching tight end in a game script that they'd be playing from behind. But, yeah, I agree with everything Jake said. $7,100 is a fair price for the talent. I think that because he is the most talented playmaker on their team, they're going to feed him the rock. 
I don't think it matters what position he plays necessarily. I'm not afraid to play a running back in a game where they're, you know, two and a half point underdogs. When it's a guy who can catch passes, gets the goal line carries. And honestly, I might take Detroit money line in this game. I'm sorry to say it, dude. I know you're an Eagles <laughs> fan, but Detroit has been playing with everybody all season, and the Eagles are nowhere near the talent of teams they've been playing with. I mean, they kept up with the Rams. They kept up with the Ravens. They kept up with the 49ers. I guess the 49ers don't have a great record, but they're not healthy. Week one, they were healthy. Detroit kept up with a healthy San Francisco team. So, I don't know. They're two and a half point underdogs. They might end up winning this game, and DeAndre Swift might end up playing from ahead. No offense. <laughs> None taken. I could see him doing it. You keep kind of scrolling down here. We got Cordero Patterson, Zach Moss, Alec Col- Alex Collins. Kenneth Gainwell is popping, but that's only because Miles Sanders is out. Personally, I don't think Kenneth Gainwell's a great play. You come over and look at his ceiling projection, 15-point ceiling at 5K. I mean, that's a 3X return, but, I mean, that's good for cash. You need more than 3X, you know, and you need more than 15 points to win a tournament. Mm -hmm. So that's not really what I'm going to be on for tournaments, and I think that I'd rather pay up to get a running back with a higher floor in cash or even go down. There's Michael Carter at 4,900 who is going to catch passes as well and is guaranteed the carries, whereas Boston Scott might get carries, and I believe they activated Jordan Howard this week. I'm not sure. Yeah, I did not see that. Basically, I'm staying away from the Philadelphia backfield, and what I love is over here, look, he's projected 14% ownership. Remember when Miles Sanders was projected 20%? Miles Sanders was on the field. Yeah, every play. On the field every play, running routes, they don't give him the ball. Jalen Hurts is a running back. They don't need they don't need Kenneth Gainwell. They don't need Boston Scott. They don't need Miles Sanders. So you look at the peripheral stats, you look at just snap count, routes run, right? All this stuff. It doesn't matter. Jalen Hurts is the only running back that matters on their team. So this is great. I love it. I hope that that goes up into the 20% range and we'll still fade him. Keep coming down. Fournette, 6,300. At New Orleans, um, I think that's a fair price for him. I think that's a t- tough matchup for him. Najee Harris, 7500 at Cleveland. Again, that's a fair price for the usage that he gets. But he's playing at Cleveland. I, I don't know. I mean, he's in my player pool. I'm not going to room for my player pool, but that's tough. That's a tough matchup, a tough price, and he's coming in at 11% ownership. I just don't know if he's going to be in... More I don't even than, like their implied points even. They're not they're at nineteen and a half. That's a great point. Like how great are point. you getting there? Like either he's scoring touchdowns or you got one of their receivers doing all the work. Yeah. That's a great point. So that that's someone I mean, like I said, when you have that kind of usage and that kind of his ceiling is twenty three and a half points, I'm gonna include him in my player pool, but I'm not really all that high on him. So Let's kind of sort over here by plus minus, see what we have going on, if anything pops out. You got Cordell Patterson. He was also popping in the model, $6,200. They're coming in as three-point favorites against Carolina at home. Cordell Patterson is kind of usurped touches from Mike Davis. He's essentially the running back one, and he still runs routes. So you got a dude who's going to get, I don't know, eight to 12 carries, three to five targets. Well, he's more than that now. Last week, I think Mike Davis only had four carries. That could be. I'm just saying, let's take a look. I am curious here. Cordell Patterson, his usage, 14 attempts. And 
Five targets. Yeah, back-to-back. So you got a guy that's getting around 20 targets or touches per game? Like, that's that's volume. That's the sort of volume you want to look for in a guy that's going to be a difference maker in your lineup. Absolutely. And we were talking Tuesday when we first looked at salaries that it's a guy who's been in the league for a while, so everybody just is like, no, we know who Daryl Patterson is. We know what he can do. We've seen this before. But we haven't. We haven't seen what he's doing this year. No. So at 6200 he might still be underpriced. So I love that. Um, yeah, 21. Basically, 22-point ceiling, three-point favorites. Keep coming down here. Alex Collins. Um, what's his name? Oh, Chris Carson. Chris Carson's still going to be out. See so if Alex Collins coming in at 5300 at home against Jacksonville. He has a 17-and-a-half-point ceiling, but... Again, they're projected to be three-and-a-half-point favorites at home, 24-point team implied total. So that's someone with Geno Smith in at quarterback. I can't imagine Seattle's going to be looking to get into a shootout. They're going to want to grind it out. They like grinding it out even when Russell Wilson's playing. Mm-hmm. Well, Russell Wilson's out, so why would they want to pass it now? You can get Alex Collins for $5,300 at home against the Jags. Just hit the lock button and hit the optimize button. Go print money. <laughs> this is easy. Elijah Mitchell, another good guy. I feel like he's going to be a good play this week. Going against Chicago, Chicago cannot do anything. They All they do is give up points. That's all their defense does right now. They are good at that. They are great at that. And Elijah Mitchell, this last game, I believe, had all the early down uh, touches. And then Jamichael Hasey took every third down. So you're getting the early down. Early downs from Elijah Mitchell, and he's getting the carries. So he's a guy you could rely on potentially having a big game and getting all the red zone looks, really, is what it seems like to me. Yeah, I love Elijah Mitchell. And here in Fantasy Labs, we're looking at the projections and everything. They're almost identical to Alex Collins. I mean, the dude has a 13.5-point projection, 17.5-point ceiling, 10-point floor. They're both playing as 2.5-point favorites. So these are both guys that, you know, Collins at 5,300, Mitchell at 5,400. These are guys, if you want to get off those heavily owned, you know, Darrell Hendersons, or even if maybe you like Nick Chubb, but you want to save 2K. I mean, these are guys that could both get 20 plus points, which at their salary and in these game environments, that could be what you need to win a tournament. And then we'll just kind of look at a few guys below here. You got Michael Carter coming in with a high plus minus $4,900 playing against Cincinnati. This could be a game with Zach Wilson out with Cincinnati. You would expect to have a you know pretty sizable lead. They're 10-point favorites. Michael Carter's a pass-catching rookie running back. He's going to you know be playing basically every down. They're going to be playing from behind. They have Corey Davis, Elijah Mitchell, the rookie receiver, still hasn't really... Elijah Moore. Or Elijah Moore, I'm sorry. Hasn't really shown himself yet. So Michael Carter at 4,900, he might end up getting 20 touches as well. Now, whether or not they end up, you know, being high-volume touches, he gets in the end zone or not, that's that remains to be seen. But 4,900 with that kind of usage, definitely someone worth considering. Keeps coming down here. Chuba Hubbard, 6,000. I think that he's been kind of someone that people have wanted to play the last few weeks. I know at least I have, and he hasn't really performed. And so now at 6,000. People might kind of be shying away from him, but this is a decent matchup. You know, they're playing Atlanta, who, like we said, they don't really cause disruption in the backfield. And Chuba Hubbard can catch passes, too. So that's someone who's going to have solid usage. 
in a favorable matchup. Really, the only other person I want to touch on here is David Johnson. Mark Ingram was traded back to the Saints the other day. David Johnson coming in at 4200 4000 is the minimum salary for running backs on DraftKings. So he's coming in at only $200 more than that. They're going to be playing from behind. He's a pass-catching running back, and they don't really have a whole lot else. They have Brandon Cooks, and outside of him, there's really no reliable playmaker. So at that price, I think it's going to be hard for him not to return value, at least in cash games. And then if you want to run a Rams stack, I mean, you could even potentially run a, a LA-Houston onslaught here. You could do a Stafford, Cup, Woods, Higby, Cooks, David Johnson. Just run everybody and hope that it turns into kind of like last week with L.A. and Detroit, like a bit of a shootout. L.A. might end up pulling away, but, you know, maybe they're <laughs> playing a soft defense and letting Houston hang around. That's really about it. I, I've heard a lot of people touting Khalil Herbert this week with Chicago, but he's coming in at $5,400. They're projected underdogs, and Damian Williams is coming back. So maybe Herbert is now the alpha in the backfield, but I'd like to see it first. Uh, you know, I'd rather play Alex Collins for 5,300 or Elijah Mitchell for 54 when they're expected to lead versus playing Khalil Herbert with the guy who's ahead of him on the depth chart returning. I think he returned last week. Damian Williams? Yeah, but Herbert got the early downs. So that might be why people are kind of high. You know, but I'm with you, like you were saying, though. It's like you can get these other two guys priced right at the same, and they're actually supposed to lead their yeah. games. Like their team should be leading. Yep. Plays more in favor to their hand. Absolutely. That about does it for running back. I think we got down into the bargain bin there. 4,900, 4,200. Doesn't get much lower than that. So let's check out receivers here. Wherever you're sorted by rating, and again, this is kind of a unique little model that I've created within Fantasy Labs. So some of these guys, uh, Van Jefferson is at the top of the list here, coming in at 3,900. Again, L.A. playing at Houston. His projected ownership is 11.5. Now, personally, when it comes to these ratings, I'm not playing these guys that don't have 20, I don't know, yeah, 20-point ceilings. Unless I'm playing him in a stack. So the top three guys in my ratings are Van Jefferson, Cole Beasley, Michael Pittman. I would love to play Van Jefferson in a Stafford stack. I would play Beasley in an Allen stack. I would play Pittman on a bring back with a Tannehill and A.J. Brown stack. These are not guys that I necessarily would like to play individually. I don't know. Jake, what are your thoughts? And then I guess I'll just round it out. T. Higgins is fourth, coming in at 5,200. They're playing at the Jets. Now, he does have a 20-point ceiling. He's coming in at 22% projected ownership. And Higgins is a guy, I believe he was targeted 15 times last week. Mm -hmm. So this is one of those second-year receivers. He was a first-round draft pick. He's talented. He finally is in an offense that can move the ball, right? But Jamar Chase has just overshadowed him. And I love Chase. Chase is in the top 10 of my model as well. But Higgins, at that price, I think it's only a matter of time until he really returns value there. So we got Jefferson, Beasley, Pittman, Higgins as the top four. And again, those are guys that I may play Higgins in a cash lineup. Otherwise, I'm only considering any of those in stacks. But let's hear Jake's thoughts. No, I'm with you. I say I feel like you can only play Jefferson and Beasley if it's a double stack. Pittman, you could do a skinny stack maybe with Wentz. But I feel like he's more favored to be a bring back in that matchup with Tennessee. Higgins. Yeah, I mean, exactly what you're saying. He's been getting the targets. 
The other thing, though, with him is he has not been getting been getting targeted downfield like he was last year. Chase has gobbled up like most of their deep targets. It's very so, true. Higgins, this is a matchup, though, with the Jets that you could see him start getting a little more open downfield and see him really boom this game. Yep. Now, I guess, you know, another thing, like Pittman coming in at $5,300, he might be someone you could run in a secondary correlation with A.J. Brown or, or a secondary correlation with Derrick Henry. Um, so that's someone I guess I wouldn't totally X out of my player pool unless I was running stacks. Beasley, I know a lot of people are high on him with Dawson Knox being ruled out, which makes sense. But there's not really anyone on the Miami side that I like. And so if I'm going to play Cole Beasley, who's approaching 10% ownership, I feel like I would want to play him with Josh Allen. And then you have Josh Allen, who has 81 you know, $100 salary. So I'm wanting to double stack him. So that's kind of uh, not not a tricky one, but Beasley's just not anyone I would play as a one-off. Although I am going to have him in some lineups with Josh Allen. And then we keep jogging down here. Jake, you want to get into this next little group here? These are so, kind of some of the alphas that we like this slate. The next, yeah, next group here, a lot of, lot of good players there. You got Calvin Ridley. He's still priced about the same as last week. He is due to have a great game. Um, Pitts was the guy that's been getting hit, looked at more, though, as of late. When Ridley was out, Pitts really started taking the lead there, and he ran with it last week as well. Ridley is due, though. He can get it done. The guy's got a load of talent. We've seen it in years past. Godwin is a big-time dude this week as well. Since Antonio Brown has been ruled out, we could see him and Evans having themselves a phenomenal week. Uh, really like him with a double stack. I feel like Tom Brady, you have to double stack with him. So a Godwin and Evans stack would be phenomenal. Uh, the other guy that's filling in for Antonio Brown, we'll probably get to later. Tyler Johnson, another option there for a stack. And Calvin Ridley, that's just a great game though too. With that Atlanta Carolina, you got options. You can do stack with Ryan, Pitts, and Ridley, and then bring it back with more. Or you could go the other way and be Ridley as a bring back and start some of those Carolina guys as a stack. Uh, Devonta Smith going against Detroit this week. His ceiling is phenomenal. I think it's the highest it's been the whole entire year. Projected ownership is pretty high, though. So I'm going to say a lot of people are on him. Um, they are favored to win the game right now with the 26 implied points. So I got a feeling they're going to be airing it out. Because it's going to be a shootout. I feel like the Philadelphia-Detroit game is going to be neck and neck. I hope my boy hurts. The cheat code can get it done. And finally start making some more connections with his threats here downfield. And then the guy that we all know and love, Mr. Jamar Chase. That's the next guy on the list there. You got to have him in your pool. He always performs, as you've been able to tell the past seven weeks. Can't be stopped, won't be stopped. Uh, his price tag finally up there, matching. I was like, damn, this dude's about to double fist. There you go, sir. Oh, thank you. But Chase, you can't go wrong. You got options with him. You could look at double stacking or even skinny stack due to his price tag. It's fairly steep. Probably be a, lo a little bit more of a challenge to double stack him. And since we're playing the Jets, I would not consider a bring back with anyone. If you really had to, Michael Carter, I think, is your only viable option there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I got a few different takes, actually, here. Let's go back to Devonta Smith. I think that Devonta Smith, 
He's absolutely capable of that ceiling game, but like Jake mentioned, his projected ownership is 17%. Jalen Hurts' projected ownership is 18%. And I kind of think that a lot of the amateur players are... They're, they're seeing Hurts. They're like, oh, Hurts has... He's had, he has a high floor. He's performed well in fantasy games, so I want to play him. And everybody tells me I have to run stacks. Oh, I could run Devontae Smith. He's the number one receiver. He's only $5,500. So I really think that that, that stack, I'm going to avoid that. I'm not going to be playing that. Everyone else is going to be playing the Devontae Smith-Jalen Hurts stack. And, I mean, how many weeks have they actually returned that value? Jalen Hurts is a great cash quarterback. The guy scores 20 every week. But how many games have you gotten, I don't know, let's say 70 points combined from Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts? I, I, mean, don't know. I, I mean, that's what you need. You need that Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup upside. You need that Tom Brady, Mike Evans upside. Like, you need that. And so if Devontae Smith is coming in at 17% owned and Jalen Hurts is 18% owned, I'm probably just going to fade them all and everything, you know? I'll, I'll play Hurts in cash. I, I take that back. But... I'm not going to play Devontae Smith. He's too boomer bust. He's not getting 20. I mean, no one's getting 20 targets other than Cooper Cup. But he's not that reliable safety blanket. He's not going to get it underneath. And what's their implied team point, point total here? 22? 26. Oh, there's his 26. Detroit's 22. So 26 is decent, but I still just don't trust Devontae Smith enough. And then at that ownership, yeah, not really for me. Now, Jamar Chase, I actually would go the other way. Jake's saying... He wouldn't run him in a skinny sack. Well, we're just talking about how T. Higgins is coming in at 5,200 and Jamar Chase at 7,500. I mean, I'd play both of them with Burrow. Burrow's not a mobile quarterback, so if you're going to play Burrow in a tournament, then you kind of need two pass catchers to get there. Maybe you want to play C.J. Uzama at tight end instead. That's fine. He's been fine in the end zone. He almost had 100 yards the other week. But I don't think I would run Joe Burrow in a skinny sack, especially not against a team like the Jets. Now, when Jake said he wouldn't run it back, that I get because the Jets only projected 16 points. And I agree with him. If you're going to run it back, there's really only two options in my mind, and that's Michael Carter or Corey Davis. That's about it. I wouldn't touch any other pass catchers. <clears throat> I think that gets us caught up. I mean, everything you said about Ridley, I totally agree. Ridley's a great play playing at Carolina. We've kind of been on this game a little bit. I think it'll. I think the game itself will go under the radar. Ridley's coming in at 18% owned just because the field recognizes the talent. You know, at 6,600, and then you see Jamar Chase at 7,500. Terry McLaurin, I believe, is at 7,600. Like, that's that's the range Ridley should be at, in my opinion. So he's about $10,000 underpriced. That is why... 10000 <laughs> It's like, whoa. 1000 yeah. 10000 Calvin Ridley should be in all of your wide receiver slots. Lock him in. No. Yeah, he's about a thousand, thousand dollars underpriced in my opinion. And I think that is why he's coming at eighteen percent ownership, which makes sense. But that doesn't scare me away from the stack, right? That's almost the exact opposite of Devontae Smith. Calvin Ridley is being played because people know that he's talented and think he's underpriced. People are playing Devontae Smith just because they're playing Jalen Hurts and they need to find someone to play with him. That's my thought, at least. Anyway, let's keep it moving here. Keep rolling down. We got uh, Emmanuel Sanders coming in at 5,400. Part of that Josh Allen, Miami game stack, right? I think that's fair price. Um, Emmanuel Sanders had a really big first couple weeks and showed that he has good chemistry with Josh Allen. Coming in at 9% owned. 
I think that's fair. It's reasonable. I, I really that. like him. He's actually ran the most routes out of any of their receivers this year. Okay. More than Diggs, even. Not by a lot, but his percent was a 2 or 3% higher. And he's coming in at, what, $2,500 cheaper? Yeah. He's so that's at a huge. great, great price. So out of the Bills receivers, I'm a huge fan of him due to price point and then the amount of time he's spending on the field. I love it. Yeah. No, couldn't agree more. And you look at the guy's similar price range. So you have uh, Sanders coming in at 5400 And then up here we had Pittman at 53 Higgins at 52 But look at ownership. Higgins is 22% owned. Pittman, 15% owned. Sanders is coming in under 10% owned. So I really like that. I, I agree with Jake. That's something I hadn't even considered. But in that price range, you could avoid those chalk guys and go with someone who has just as high, if not higher, of a ceiling. And it looks like, I mean, Sanders' ceiling is coming in here. His ceiling projection is 19. Pittman's is only 17. So it's someone who has actually a higher ceiling who you can get for less ownership. That's great. It's a great find. It's a potential slate breaker. Yep. Keep coming down. You got Keenan Allen, 6,500. Robert Woods, 6,300. And then Cooper Cup here at 9,000. I think this is interesting. Keenan Allen and Robert Woods have had very similar seasons. These guys came into the year as kind of the wide receiver one or one A options on their team. And their salary hasn't really changed much. I think Woods dropped and is back in the low 6,000s. Keenan Allen has been in the you know, mid 6,000s. But Cooper Cup here right below Woods has really established himself as a wide receiver one. And then Mike Williams in L.A. has been playing that Michael Thomas X role. So th- this is kind of interesting. I, you know, I hadn't really thought of that as Keenan Allen and Robert Woods being in similar situations. But that being said, they both have 23 and 22-point ceilings. They're coming in 11 and 9% ownership. So these are dudes at these price points that could return huge value. Now, I'm kind of surprised based on their salary and their name recognition that they aren't coming in at the you know, 20, 25% ownership. So we'll have to check this on Sunday, but well, these are guys nice guy under them. roll right. But that, like, that's kind of what I'm saying. It's like Cooper Cup. If you wanted to get off of Cooper Cup, which you shouldn't want to get off of him. I, I'm already, I feel like an idiot for even <laughs> thinking that. But, I mean, he's almost $3,000 cheaper to get to Robert Woods. Um, I don't know. And half the ownership. So it's kind of been one of those. It's like every week Jake and I keep saying, like, why would you not play Cooper Cup? You know, everybody keeps saying, this is the Robert Woods week. This is the Robert Woods week. This is the bounce back week. And it never is. You just got to keep playing what you keep seeing. And now I've almost fallen into that. No, no, I take it back. Don't play Woods, play Cup. If you're going to play Woods, (laughs) play Woods and Cup and Stafford. (laughs) This guy. In a vacuum, one-off play, that's fair. Robert Woods, 6,300. Fair price for a player that has that kind of ceiling. Next up, we got a nice little group here as well. A couple of Buffalo guys there to round it out. Jacoby Myers, the man from New England that's due a touchdown. Still doesn't have one yet. Coming in in a good matchup there with the Chargers. They'll be playing from behind. So that's one positive thing to look at with him. It's just always a challenge since you have a rookie quarterback. You can't always put your trust in them, especially the way Mac Jones has been throwing interceptions as of late. Uh, Jacoby, though, comes at a great price, 5100 And his ceiling 17 so it's right in line with some of those other guys we've been seeing in that 5K range. 
Not quite as high, though, as some of them. But he's hanging up there. And with the Chargers, you have potential there for him to go big because their secondary has been lacking lately. And I think their best secondary guy, Derwin James, typically lines up on the tight end. So the guy I feel like that should be getting looked at more is Jacoby more than anyone else on their team this week. Mm -hmm. Brandon Cooks, great price still. He keeps hanging around in the 5K range, coming at 5,700. They're playing against the Rams, and you know the Rams are favored heavily in that one. So they're going to be playing from behind. Brandon Cooks, really your only pass catcher that I would consider. Diggs, we've been talking about. He's the alpha in Buffalo. He just hasn't been making the uh, big 30 or 40-point burgers yet this year. He's due for one here soon. Josh Allen still loves him. He's still getting targeted. Coming in at 11%, so not too high of ownership for a guy like that that balls out. And then followed by him is Gabe Davis, coming in at 3.3K there. He's the guy that I think a lot of people have been talking about since Dawson Knox is out as well. Mm -hmm. Him and Beasley are the two that people are thinking they're going to they're gonna be the ones that will get those targets. Um, I'm not sure who Buffalo's backup tight end is, but... Sweeney or Sweeney I'm like I feel like that guy gotta be given a chance but everyone's yeah like set on Gabe Davis or Cole Beasley right now I saw a stat today that Sweeney has five targets five or four targets four catches and four yards Hmm. but one of them was a touchdown last week and I think everybody saw that highlight they saw the touchdown catch they just assume he's plugged in you know ready to go but they also activated um Kaling who was a pretty high draft pick for the Texans a few years ago. He played for the Texans for a number of years. Um, I don't know. He might end up being their pass-catching tight end. but I just don't see Buffalo, though, going four wide for like a lot of the game because they're going to be so far ahead. I feel like the run game is going to be ending up coming out more so definitely in the second half. So you know they're going to have a tight end if they're running the ball in. So I feel like they would be more in three wide receiver sets. Yeah, and if they're using a tight end to block, it'd be Sweeney, but that doesn't mean he's catching passes. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting here, so we've just rattled off kind of the top, I don't know if that's like 15 or so players in the ratings, but four of them are Buffalo Bills. we got Gabe Davis, Steph Diggs, Cole Beasley, and Emmanuel Sanders, all of them. So I think let's take a look here at correlations. So when you're building lineups – it's good to see who's correlated. So Cole Beasley has a slightly positive correlation with Stephon Diggs. And otherwise, um, you have Gabriel Davis has a negative correlation. Emmanuel Sanders has a really negative correlation. And let's maybe look at a few others here. So let's come up. Cole Beasley, he's the highest rated Bills receiver here. Positively correlated with Emmanuel Sanders, Isaiah McKenzie, um, basically a neutral correlation with Gabe Davis. And that's about all we got here. Yeah, basically neutral with Steph Diggs. So I was like looking at correlations too when I'm trying to build stacks or look at bringbacks and whatnot, like what players to play together. And with Buffalo, it seems pretty wide open. Obviously, Emmanuel Sanders is new this year, so they don't have a lot of games together. But that's a... That's kind of a tough one where Josh Allen's rated so high and all of the receivers are rated high. It's kind of tough to pick which ones you want to play. 
So I think Jake's got the right idea. You got to look into individual matchups and obviously keep your eye on the weather. We'll see how that plays out. Let's just kind of finish up here this upper tier. After Gabe Davis, we have DJ Moore with Carolina playing at Atlanta. DK Metcalf, Seattle playing against Jacksonville. Moore's coming in at 7,200. Metcalf at 6,800. You got Marvin Jones at 5,900. So you have the Metcalf-Jones secondary correlation there. You have Deontay Johnson coming in at 6,700. LaVisca, also Jacksonville at Seattle. Freddie Swain, Seattle versus Jacksonville. Swain's coming in at 3,200. And then Tyler Boyd, another Cincinnati receiver. He's coming in at 4,800. And Mike Evans at 7,000. That's kind of the top tier there. Anything you want to say about those guys? Otherwise, we'll kind of change what we're sorted by. Look at ceilings. And then... I say Mike Evans, big jump. Three touchdown catches last week. So that's why his price jumped quite a bit there. Boyd really hasn't existed too much in the Cincinnati offense as of late. No. He's that slot guy for him, runs the underneath routes a lot. So, as you can see there, he hasn't accumulated a bunch of yards, really. Or targets, even. He's, he's not really getting looked at anymore. Yeah, so he's hard to go with if you're going to play him. I mean, it's really just a double stack. Freddie Swain, he's been an option for him. As of late, I think he's had some decent games, but he's just not producing like crazy amount of yards, not consistent with touchdowns, so I feel a lot more comfortable with DK Metcalf there. We mm-hmm. had him there at the top of the group here that we started with. Deontay Johnson, I feel like he's the number one in Pittsburgh. He's always a reliable option there. Athletically, he's extremely gifted, and they line him up all over the field, I feel like. He gets his catches wherever they can be found Chanel I don't know Jacksonville it's just hard to say it feels like it's been Marvin Jones I want to say but Chanel it's interesting because he also gets a carry every now and then so they sometimes will run the ball with him and with that dynamic it just makes it more interesting with him they like to get him touches looks like last week he did get 10 targets so that's good to see I think they're coming out of a bye though right I think they're coming out of a bye yeah. week. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. prior to that, he had the 10 targets in London against Miami. I believe it was in London. Yeah, yep, yeah. that's right. We'll see. Uh, who knows? Urban Meyer said that Agnew is their best playmaker on their team. They're trying to design plays for him. So, if it's coach speak, I guess that's one thing. But, yeah, LaVisca at 4,700, I think that's fair value, especially if you want to get involved in that Seattle game. But other than that, I wouldn't really play him. Let's sort of hear by ceiling and kind of see some of the guys – that have those high ceilings that maybe aren't high-owned or aren't popping in the ratings necessarily. We're coming down here. Yeah, someone that jumped out to me earlier in the week, Debo Samuel. He's up to $7,400. But we've seen what he's capable of doing, and they're playing Chicago on the road. So this is a game where they're three-point favorites. Well, they got to get that lead, right? It could be from the passing game. What if they don't get that lead? Debo Samuel is a guy that they manufacture touches for. He gets a couple carries a game. They get the ball to him in space, let him make plays. So that's someone, I guess he is coming in at 12% ownership. That's quite a bit higher than I was expecting. He also has the quarterback that likes him a lot back. So Jimmy G's back this week. Yep. Yep. So that's someone who's not really popping in the ratings, but that I'm not afraid to play. Um, And then below him, you have Terry McLaurin coming in at 7,600. Yeah, Jake had a great point earlier in the week that Patrick Sertain Jr. is going to be shadowing him. 
But we know what McLaurin's capable of, and we know that Heineke only has eyes for him. Mm-hmm. So that's someone, too, um, at 1.4% ownership. He was in basically every lineup that won any amount of money last week. So it's kind of crazy to think that he's not coming in higher. And Like Jake and I were talking earlier, too, projected ownership is obviously what they project. Whoever you're using, we use Fanny Slabs, but whatever they're projecting – the field to have ownership of, right? So they expect 1.4% of the field to own Terry McLaurin. But as a player, as a DFS player, what you need to be thinking about is if the main slate happened 100 times, what percent of times was Terry McLaurin in the winning lineup? And with his upside, he is certainly in the winning lineup more than 1.4% of the time. So that's someone that... Even with that matchup, even with that rating, and with that ownership projection, I'm probably going to have him sprinkled into a few lineups. I think it's just really hard for people due to his price. When you have like Jamar Chase priced lower than him, and Jamar Chase has produced more, I think that's why people are scared of him. But, I mean, you have very, very valid points there. I mean, Terry McLaurin, he is the guy in Washington. There's no one else putting up even touchdowns right now in the passing game. He's the only guy, really. Yeah. Well, and you have a great point. I actually also prefer Chase over McLaurin. But, you know, we get so fixed on these numbers. We're looking throughout the week. Oh, this is their projection. This is their ceiling. This is their floor. This is their ownership. But at the end of the day, they play one game on Sunday. And if Terry McLaurin has 10 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns, are you really going to be blown away? Or are you going to be like, yeah, that's Terry McLaurin. They're playing Denver. Denver sucks. Washington has no one else. Sounds about right. You know, so it's, it's kind of one of those things. But mm-hmm. if you're just looking at the numbers here, if you're just looking at the spreadsheet, you know, I get why his rating isn't popping. And, yeah, I'm, you know, just personally, like, higher on Chase as well. But McLaurin is definitely someone worth considering. Keep coming down, Ridley, Johnson, Allen, Evans. These are all guys we've already talked about. Let's uh, sort by projected plus minus. See if anybody pops out. We got Tyler Johnson here, 3,100 for the Buccaneers, playing out in New Orleans. Um, Antonio Brown is on crutches earlier this week. It doesn't sound like he's going to be playing. So if you're going to play any Tom Brady stacks, you know, Tyler Johnson's worth consideration, under 2% ownership. Other than that, what do we got here? Monter St. Brown, 3,900 for Detroit. They're playing Philadelphia. 7% ownership. Um, 14-point ceiling. And with them playing from behind in potentially a more favorable match, does Philadelphia have, they have Darius Slay now? Mm-hmm. Is he going to be following St. Brown, or is he going to be following Cleef Raymond? Or are you sure? He doesn't always shadow. So I would say he sometimes they play zone and then – they're like 50-50, the man mm-hmm. in zone. So. Yeah, St. Brown might be someone. Keelan Cole's kind of been popping up, too, at the men's salary, 3000 for a receiver. If you're going to run any of those Cincinnati, New York Jet, um, you know, game, double stacks, game stacks, maybe Keelan Cole's worth considering in a bring back in a large field tournament just for leverage. He's less than 1% owned. That's really about it here. I'm not seeing much else. Should we keep it moving here to tight end? Roll Tide. Roll Tide. All right. 
Here we are at tight end, sorted by ratings again at the top. I can't imagine this is a surprise for anybody. Dan Arnold coming in at 18% projected ownership. That was over 20% earlier. $2,800. So Dan Arnold plays for Jacksonville. Jacksonville, they had been targeting James O'Shaughnessy earlier in the season. O'Shaughnessy went down with a season-ending injury, and Jacksonville traded for Dan Arnold. So... Arnold's coming in, $2,800, only $300 higher than the men's salary. Um, it's one of those guys, if they're going to target him five, six, seven, ten times a game, and he might get in the end zone, then, yeah, that's that's who you want to play. I think he's a great cash play. What do you think? Yeah, I feel like for a cash play, he's a solid option at that price, and then his opportunity that he might have. They're playing from behind as well, four-point underdogs right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Keep coming down here. We got Jared Cook. This is someone that I think I was really touting earlier in the week. I mean, coming in at $3,400, I thought he'd be in that same range as like Tyler Higby and Dallas Goddard. And then to see his price being almost $4,000, over $1,000 less than both of them, um, I'm not surprised at all by his ownership. I still think he's a great play, especially if you want to stack him with 60 what, $500 Keenan Allen, Justin mm-hmm. Herbert, run it back. You could run it back with Jacoby Myers. You could run it back with Damian Harris. Chargers have a terrible run defense. So there's different ways to play that. Keep coming down. Higby, like I mentioned, 4,500. They're playing at Houston. He's on the field 100% of the time. Always worth consideration. Hawkinson here at 5,400. Hawkinson, they've been using him a lot to block. He came out of college as an elite pass-catching tight end. So he has that ceiling. He's coming in at 6% ownership, 17-point ceiling, um, playing his 2.5-point underdogs at home against Philadelphia. I like him a lot because Philadelphia doesn't cover the tight end very well. Okay. They usually run uh, only two linebackers. So it makes it really tough for them to stick to the tight end and cover them up. So I could, I could see Hawkinson being the guy for them on offense this week. It's interesting. Yeah, next on the list, Johnny Smith. That's really just someone I would never consider. He's more of an H-back fullback. I think he's popping here in the ratings because of his salary and his salary alone. You see over here he only has a 7.8% ceiling, three-point projected ownership, which is probably only because nerds get on here and look at the rating and think, oh, this is a good way to gain leverage. I'm not playing a fullback in my tight end position. You got Dallas Goddard, 4,700. With Zach Ertz getting traded and Philadelphia not really having a second option in the passing game, Miles Sanders out. Um, he has a 15-point ceiling, 11% projected ownership. I think that's about right. Wow, you're not going to give the Nebraska backup love. Dang. What are you talking about? Jack Stoll, I'm pretty sure, is the backup. Didn't know that. Wasn't aware. He's a special teams guy, but yeah, no big deal. I just wasn't aware. I didn't mean any disrespect. Next up, we got Gronk. Sounds like he's going to play. He's back from injury. Let's see. Yeah, he's got a little Q next to his name. He's questionable. Let's see if we have any information. Sore left knee. Yeah, it doesn't that is really. maybe the lamest injury report I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really give us a whole lot of information. He's coming back from a rib injury, but we'll he's see. He's had a lot of time off, though, because they played Thursday night the other week, and he didn't play in that game either, I want to say. Yeah, I think he's had two full weeks, maybe so two plus. Yeah, he's had a lot of time off, and... He's a big-time red zone threat for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, $4,600 for a high-powered offense like that. that that's fair price. 
and we all know what he's capable of. The ceiling here is 11.6% ownership, but I think he should definitely be in people's player pool if he's going to come out, you know, active, obviously. Keep coming down here. You know, when you get in tight ends and you're looking at ratings, it really factors price in. So now we're looking at guys that I would personally never even consider. You have Berkser, Tennessee. If you're going to play a Tannehill stack, I guess maybe I would. Then you got Hooper and Joku, both Browns players. You have Case Keenum playing quarterback. Donald Parham for the Chargers. Well, we were talking about how high we are on Cook. There's no reason to play Parham. And then Disley, Jack Doyle, Troutman, Hurst, Cox, Fant. Um, Noah Fant coming in at 4,900. 15-point ceiling. That's someone that's, I think, worth consideration. And then Moali Cox, 3,200. Always good for a you know potential touchdown. Those guys have low ownership, so I would consider them. That's really about it. Those other guys, I don't trust them enough to return value. These guys towards the bottom, I'm surprised. You have uh, Mr. Ricky Seals-Jones and Kyle Pitts. That's true. Yeah, well, Jesus, I forgot some of my favorite guys. Here we got C.J. Uzama. Um, we got Hunter Henry. We got Ricky Seals-Jones. We got Kyle Pitts. Yeah, Jake, that's a great point. Pitts coming in at 6,300. We were talking after last week that his salary was going to go up, but he was essentially a receiver. Look over here, his ceiling is 19K. Let's just do this. We'll sort by ceiling, and we'll go down. So we got Pitts. He costs as much as Calvin Ridley now. Wow. Yeah. So he's $900 more than Hawkinson, and we were kind of like, ah, oh, Hawkinson, yeah, he catches pass. He can, but they don't really use him for that. And then you got Higby, another 1000 cheaper than that, and then Gasicki at 5000 Goddard at 4700 so I think if you're looking at just tight ends, you know, if you're looking at tight ends in a vacuum here at this only position and you see the prices, you're thinking, well, Pitts, well, oh, I can get Hawkinson for a 1000 cheaper. Oh, I can get Higby for cheaper than that. I get it. But Pitts is really the only one on this list that has this ceiling potential, right? Pitts, is re- he plays receiver and he has tight end eligibility. So that in and of itself is worth the extra $1,000, in my opinion, at least. Mm-hmm. And because he's priced up, look, his ownership is down to 4.5%. I think we were even saying we, he came in at, what, 4,900 last week and, or 5,900, and we said if he's up in the 6K range next week, we'll be playing him. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be playing him. We'll be playing him. He's up $400. whoop de doo If Travis Kelsey was on this slate priced at 7,700 and we saw Kyle Pitts for 6,300, his ownership would be 20%. That's no, my thoughts. Yeah, for sure. You don't have Waller on this slate. You don't have Kelsey on this slate. So there's no comparison. So people see Pitts, and then they see, oh, Hawkinson's 1000 cheaper. No. Pitts, that's fair price. And that 4.5% ownership going against Carolina. I'm going to be playing Pitts all over the place. And then we got Hawkinson, 5400 Higby, 45 Gesicki, this is another one very similar to Pitts. He plays more of a receiver role in the offense. He has tight end eligibility, but he plays receiver. Now, they also have Devontae Parker coming back from injury, though. So that might make things interesting. They're playing at Buffalo. Gesicki's going to really need to catch a touchdown here to return value. Otherwise, I could really see it being a Waddle game, even maybe a Miles Gaskin game out of the backfield. And with Parker returning, I think that's going to cut into Gesicki's routes. Then we got Goddard, who we talked about. We love him. The field loves him, 11% ownership. Noah Fant, that's somewhat 49% ownership, same ceiling. A third of the projected ownership, or I mean, same salary, a third of the projected ownership. So that's someone that I think could slip under the radar. And then if you want to run a Noah Fant, Terry McLaurin secondary correlation, both of them high ceilings, under owned, 
you could gain some massive leverage there and play chalk the rest of the way in your lineup. I like that. Ricky Seals-Jones, 3,800. This has been our cash tight end for the last few weeks. Finally priced up to 3,800. And, I mean, with Dan Arnold, a 1,000 cheaper and similar upside. I mean, we're probably going to be playing more Dan Arnold this week. But Ricky Seals-Jones, that's someone... I guess he is coming in at 13.5% ownership, so yeah, I'm not really on him anymore. Like I said, I'd rather just play McLaurin in that game. Hunter Henry, 4,200. Revenge game. Going back to L.A. Done with revenge games. I don't believe in them. Not a fan of revenge games. Doesn't believe in them. All right. But good play or not? Great play. Great play. Hunter Henry is a red zone guy for him, so I like that. Not due to a revenge game, but I like that. But also revenge games, so you got the icing on top. <sighs> Go to hell with the revenge games, man. I'm not <laughs> buying them anymore. We got Jared Cook, Dan Arnold. We've talked about them. Um, Fryermuth. I saw that Eric Ebron got ruled out this week. So Fryermuth coming in at 3600 I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I liked Fryermuth when he was cheap. Now he's 3600 That's too expensive. But with Ebron ruled out, Juju's out for the year. Fryermuth. click on him? I'm curious what his stats have been. Yeah, let's take a look at his game logs. Because the only person we ever see on red zone, I feel like, is Najee Harris. He had seven targets last game, seven receptions. Um, he's got Stickham on his hands, nice. Yeah, I mean, he's been pretty boomer bust throughout the year here, it looks like. He, you know, one target, four, five, one, two, seven, and he's got a touchdown on the year. But again, like we said, with Juju out for the year, and with Ebron being ruled out for the game, I think Fryermuth could be a guy at 3,600 that could return value. But I'm looking over here, his projected ownership is 7%. So it seems like other people are already on, on him too. Now, this is one of those things where you got to think about it. Okay, the main slate plays out 100 times. Is Pat Fryermuth in the winning lineup more than seven of those times? If you think the answer is yes, then he's a good play. Right? It's so simple. Right? If you it's think that simple, yes. everybody. <laughs> I mean, the projections, you got to trust the projections, or why do you use them? Why do you even look at them if you don't trust them? So you have the projections, and then you look at the ownership, and then you just think, okay, if this, if this happens 100 times, is he in that lineup 7% of the time or not? Based on what you just said, then, who is your guy? I'm like, I already got him figured out right now, looking at what you just said. Based on what I just said, yeah, I think Kyle Pitts. That that's what I, I mean. I really think with his ceiling upside, there's no one even close. His to His ownership it. is crazy. Though. His cost, though, I just ah, it's but pricey. He costs as much as a receiver. He he's pricey compared to the other tight ends this week. Like we were saying, Travis Kelsey is fifteen hundred dollars more. Darren Waller is a thousand dollars more. They're not on this slate, so there's no there's no comparison above him. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, Kelsey would be at least 7 His projected points are two points higher. His ceiling is two points higher. His floor is two points higher. And his ownership is 4%. I think that Kyle Pitts... You're okay, wrong, man. $6,300. Can Kyle Pitts score 25 points? Yeah, he did it last week. Yeah. So that he can return 3.5, 4x value as a tight end. Okay, well, my guy, I With was going to say... You said your guy, <laughs> and then some... Yeah, Hunter Henry. That's what I was gonna say. I'm I like, like that a lot. Based on his ownership, I'm like two percent, two and a half. I like that call a lot. Yeah, I have him in some of my lineups, and I, I think we talked about him in the Tuesday episode when we were looking at salaries. And if the Chargers 
can't stop the run. I anticipating them then getting the ball. Wow, them then getting the ball <laughs> inside the red zone, and then run and play action to Hunter Henry. Boom! I totally could see that happening. I love it. Oh, absolutely! I love the Hunter Henry play. That's great. Yeah, that's great. And he's twenty one hundred cheaper than Pitts, so it's a great play. I think that does it for tight ends. We'll take a look at plus minus quick. Oops, plus minus to see if there's anybody that really jumps out. Nope, basically the same guys at the top. You have uh, Cole Komet, 3,100, playing San Francisco. Don't like Chicago anything. I don't like Chicago anything. Aren't they only projected, like, what, 18 points? 18 yeah. whopping points. 18 points, and I believe Jimmy Graham was activated. So, yeah, that's going to be a no for me, dog. Oh, Hayden Hurst, Atlanta's actual tight end. $2,900. Well, they don't use their tight end. They use their receivers. I Ridley think he had Pitts. a catch the other week. Click on him. I think Hurst had a catch the other week. Nope. Game on. Hey! He's had a couple here. He does exist, but yeah. He four targets, five targets, four targets, four catches, four catches, three catches, one touchdown here. I mean, honestly, looking at the points. Not, but we got to remember, too, Calvin Ridley was out... Two of those games that we just looked at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But last week he still got targeted when Calvin Ridley's back, so that's promising at least. Triple stack. <laughs> Onslaught. <laughs> All right, let's check out defenses real quick. We'll make this real snappy. So, actually, you know what? Defenses are boring. Let's just get into building a lineup. No one wants to build. No one wants to look at defenses. All right. True. So here we go. We are going to build a cash lineup. We're going to alternate pick by pick. We'll submit this in the $25 massive double up, and we're going to review this Sunday night after the games. We'll take a look at that. We'll take a look at the Millie Maker lineup and any other contests that Jake or I are in that we feel are worth you discussing. You cannot talk me out of my pick, okay? I can't do it. If I pick someone, because this guy, this guy made us leave Cooper Cup. Yeah, you did. Not okay, me. you want me to just log button Cooper Cup in? Is that what you're getting at? We can I'm do it. I'm just saying, the other week, I wanted Cooper Cup, and this mofo talks me into Devonta Adams. I was like, yeah, you're right. He's the man, man. I mean... And guess who's actually the man? Not many times is Cooper that a Cup. bad pick. Yeah, not many right. times is Devonta... But that it was, was a bad that pick. week. It was that week. All right. We're going to do what we always do. Sort by projected ownership. We got the ratings over here on the left. We got projected points here in the middle. We're going to kind of come down here. So ownership's important because we don't want to fall behind on the field in certain positions and in certain spots. And we want to try to gain leverage in other spots. So it's always important to understand how the field is thinking. So, Jake, you can kick things off here with quarterback. What are you thinking here? No, I'm going to give it to you. Okay, cool. We'll go Jalen Hurts. Cash lineup? Cash lineup, yeah. $25 massive double up. Cash lineup. So I'm going to lock in Jalen Hurts. He's coming in at 18.8% projected ownership, 25-point projection, high floor because of the rushing, $7,200. So he's $900 cheaper than Josh Allen, and those two are essentially the most highest-owned quarterbacks by far. Where do you want to take it from here? Your pick. Go receiver. Let's go receiver. See what we got. So, again, we're sorted by projected ownership here. I am going to go with Godwin. Let's do it. Antonio Brown's out this week. Him or Mike Evans, or both of them, are going to go off. They both went off last week or two weeks ago. I can't remember, but. I think it was last week, yeah. 
Yeah, I was like, they both had a heck. Yeah, it was last week because Mike Evans had three touchdown catches and then Godwin, I think, had over 100 in a touchdown. So Yeah, I love it. Godwin coming in at 6,400, 20% ownership. And Lattimore Great should matchup. be on Evans. So Lattimore like, will the be outside. The number two guy Evans. will be on Godwin. And Godwin's in the slot, too. Yeah, so whoever they have in the slot there. Uh, I'm going to bring it over here to tight end. Like I was saying earlier, we're just going to lock it in. Dan Arnold for 2,800. This is a no-brainer for me. I mean, tight end is always one of those positions where you you either just want to punt it or you want to find leverage. And in this position, I mean, I'll pay 2800 for a guy who's going to get 7 to 10 targets, might even find the end zone. And punt it. Yeah. And what's really surprising is I'm looking at projected ownership. He's the highest projected owned at 18%, but Jared Cook has 14. Ricky Seals-Jones has 13. Dallas Goddard has 11 so there's not really much separation. Typically, you find these $2,800 tight ends having 30 40% ownership. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a great, great get here. Jake, back to you. Let's go uh, RB. Hmm. So running backs here, we got Darrell Henderson at the top, $6,500, 30% projected ownership. DeAndre Swift, $7,100, 21% projected ownership. And then there's a little dip. There's a few guys here in the 14 to 16%. Chuba Hubbard, Cordell Patterson, Jonathan Taylor, Kenneth Gainwell. I'm going to go with the highest projected owner guy there. Terrell, Darrell Henderson. I Love think. it. He'll have a bounce back week and definitely put up points. I mean, they're in another really, really favorable matchup. And I don't see this matchup going sour like last week did against Detroit. I feel like LA is going to come out and... Far on all cylinders. I mean, they're playing at Houston. I believe Houston's in a dome, too. So, like, weather will not be an issue or anything. It's true. Yeah, I love it. And coming in at 30% ownership, that's probably one of the highest-owned players of any position, if not the highest-owned. So, on that note, I'm going to come over here. I was, like, looking at defense here when we're about halfway through. And I actually think defense is a great position to find leverage. There's just so much... So much ownership on a few teams. So I'm looking here, and right away, based on my rating, we have the Indianapolis defense playing in the Dome at home against Tennessee. They're only 2,600, and they're only 2.5% ownership. So that's that's the team my rating's like. We could get up to Buffalo at 3,300, but they're 12% owned. I also really like this Cleveland at 3K playing Pittsburgh at home. They're only 5% owned. Um, I actually think Cleveland might be my pick here. We'll go with Cleveland. There's your little defensive rundown since we skipped it earlier. All right. We're locking in Cleveland's D. That gives us just over 6,000 remaining on average per player. We have one running back, two receivers, and the flex. Jake, where do you want to go? Let's go receiver. Okay. We're back to receiver. We're going to sort by projected ownership again. Let's see what we got here. So at the top, we got T. Higgins, 5,200. Cooper Cup, 9K. And, I mean, there's players after that, obviously. So I feel like we got to go with T. Higgins, like we were talking about earlier. He's getting the targets. He's getting all the looks. He's just got to convert them into some bigger plays here and hope Jamar Chase doesn't steal all the touchdowns like he has been doing. Love the pick. Yeah, he had 15 targets last week. He's on the field every play. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, I love it. High ceiling, high floor, great price. 
Good matchup. Let's lock him in. All right, I'm going to come over here. I think I'm going to stick with receiver just because at the running back position, we can get all the way down to Michael Carter at 4,900. We could get all the way down to David Johnson at 4,200. Mm-hmm. So let's see what we got here at receiver before we go lock in a running back. I was like, is someone thinking Mr. Cup? Or... I, I mean, I love him, but he's coming in at 9K. You know, I absolutely love the pick, though. We could. I mean, if we lock Cup in, I think we're playing both of those other guys that rattled off. Up to you. It's your pick. I'll tell you what. Do not let me decide your pick for you. I'll tell you what. I'm going to come over here, and I am going to lock in David Johnson. I just think this is too good of a pick. and I'm like the guy that's not even up on your ratings chart. Okay. Yeah, must not be. This is where we get that leverage we were talking about. Where art thou, David Johnson? There I didn't you see are. Him. Oh, you were just on him. Did I miss him? Yeah, he's literally on your mouse. There we go. David Johnson, 4,200. So we'll lock him in, and now we have a wide receiver and a flex spot to fill out, and we have 73 and 7,400 to play with. So we'll come over here to flex. Let's sort by ceiling. This is what I kind of like doing to fill things out is let's see who can get us there. This is what I kind of thinking we go to Scary Terry. Just maybe. We can do that. Let's see. We got Jamar Chase. I guess we're already playing Higgins, but we got, what do we got? DJ Moore coming in at 19%. I think DJ Moore would be a good play. It's your pick. You want to play Scary Terry? DJ Moore. Debo, I like Debo too. We could play DJ Moore and Debo Samuel and call it a lineup. We have the exact salary to make that happen. We'll do DJ Moore. Well, if we do DJ Moore, we're doing Debo Samuel. That's really all we well, got we the money for. We could still do Scary Terry. We don't have to max out. Or we're still not maxed out. Well, we wouldn't. Scary Terry's too much. Oh, never mind. Yeah, never mind. Yeah. So, typically we do a running back in the flex, but since we were able to jam David Johnson in at 4,200, I think we have some pretty quality pass catchers here. I don't know, Jake? Yeah, I feel like our receivers, I mean, all those guys are high-volume guys, I feel like. Yep. Like DJ Moore is the alpha by far. Debo Samuel is the alpha by far. T. Higgins is the alpha, but he gets tons of looks. Chris Godwin... He's in the exact same boat. So, yeah, high upside pass catchers right there. That's right. So we are going to save this lineup. We're going to submit this in the $25 massive double up on DraftKings on Sunday. We'll be back Sunday night to review it. And like I mentioned, we're also going to take a look at... The Millie Maker winning lineup, we looked at the top five last week. We'll take a look if Jake or I do well in any of the contests that we submit. Um, other than that, we're taking something down this Sunday. We're taking something down. Let's go. We're going to win some money. But that's all I got for this podcast. What yeah. do you got? No, same. Love y'all. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, go us. Go everyone watching. Wish you all the luck. Bros and broettes. Go take down some contests. Let's get it.